Hello, hi, this is Shweta from the Florence School of Regulation and I have with me uh, Christina Espinosa, the CEO and co-founder of Entegas, uh, based in Guatemala. Uh, thank you for joining us, Christine. No worries, happy to be here. So I was reading your profile and one of the first things that stood out was you kicking open the door into a man's world and uh, being the co-founder of Entegas. Uh, could you share with us uh, what was the hurdles you had to overcome or the barriers that you had to overcome in order to set this up? Well, first of all, it's actually really weird being a woman in uh, the LPG industry. There's very few yes. women. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, the first time I was invited to the World LPG Forum and had to do a presentation there. And I was so nervous because I'm coming from outside of the sector and not necessarily an industry expert. So. It was very uncomfortable kind of coming into a man's world and, and doing this presentation in front of, of people that were mostly part of a, a male ind industry. Um, but I, I think more of the barriers have been uh, probably more internally in Guatemala versus internationally. I'm very pretty well received in the industry, but every, every now and then it's a little bit more difficult locally in the industry because there just aren't any women in, in Guatemala working in the industry. Um, even sometimes in government, you know, there's kind of that fine line between one being a woman or being young as well and then people taking you seriously. So it's kind of been a battle. Um, I think on the negative side, if, if I was probably locally from Guatemala and a woman, I probably would have been less well received than being a foreigner. Um, so unfortunately, that's uh, a benefit for me. Uh, but it's also a barrier, I think, for a local Guatemalan women wanting to participate in the industry as well. So how would you assess uh, the women's opportunities in assessing credit in Guatemala? That's actually the, for us, we see as the biggest barrier, not even uh, locally in Guatemala, but in uh, on a global scale. So most, uh, most of what happens is that most of these families work uh, in the informal economy. So part of the barriers for them is that they don't have access to financing to be able to purchase a stove. And so it may be that they can't afford to save up the X amount of money over time and, and make that transition or that purchase. Um, so a lot of times what happens is when you look at normal uh, the normal banking sector, uh, those, those households are pre uh, prevented from accessing credit because they don't have access to a credit history. They don't have formal banking accounts. And so these are some of the processes that prohibit people engaging in not only cooking uh, in the cooking sector, but also in the electricity sector or other sectors as well. Um, and so one of the things that we focus on is uh, we facilitate our own credits because we've seen that as a major barrier. We tried to work with some of the biggest banks in Guatemala and, and we just couldn't find it. And another thing for us too that we had noticed was that uh, the microfinance institutions, which normally people think, oh, it's a microcredit, it's small, but that's not always the case. You know, you can be in a country and just because it's a small loan doesn't mean that they're going to facilitate a consumer loan because this is actually a consumer loan uh, versus, you know, a loan for small businesses, and which is most of the microfinance sector's small business loans, not necessarily micro loans in, in that sense. So in Guatemala, uh, very, I think, two or three percent of the entire portfolio of microfinance is in consumer loans. So there's another... Uh, uh, something showing you that people don't have access to that type of financing. But there are a lot of other countries that have much higher percentages of consumer loans in their portfolios. So it's not a barrier per se in every country, but it's definitely an issue. So uh, one of the things is, is unlocking access to financing for these houses so they can access energy. 
I couldn't agree more because you know, we, we're doing this course on energy access and finance is at the center of that debate. And uh, so I see that uh, education is uh, core of your uh, working methodology as well. Uh, you do have a lot of holistic solutions with regards to consumer engagement. Could you throw some light on how you do this? Yeah, so uh, we started Hinte Gas um, as uh, doing looking at market research. So what we wanted to do was understand consumer, understand behavior, a little bit about behavioral economics and why some would, would or would not use uh, energy. Uh, and so what we did is with those uh, market studies, then we started behaving, uh, creating what we would call an ecosystems approach. So this ecosystems approach for us is looking at all of the barriers and uh, behaviors that exist in the, in the market and then creating programs or pieces of an ecosystem so that we fix those barriers. So it can be education, it can be access to finance, it can be uh, access to information, uh, access to products, uh, services that didn't exist or that just weren't acceptable to the consumers in the market. And so that's a little kind of what we do is we focus on all of those types of activities. But say I were to take one of those activities out, maybe the consumer education component or the financing, well, then it wouldn't work because then we now have an error in the ecosystem and it's not functioning properly. And so that's what we do is we kind of specialize on that. So a lot of the work we do is, is uh, education in the schools, um, access to information so people know how to cook with, with gas. Um, what are some of the dangers of cooking with wood? Things that they can they can do so that they become more empowered consumers. Uh, they can actually make choices. Uh, and then finance too, you know, bringing that, that barrier, that piece, that uh, creating the, the ecosystem so that it's a sustainable ecosystem. Uh, in Guatemala, in terms of um, adapting to clean cooking solutions, do you think the willingness to pay is the problem or the ability or the capacity to pay is the real problem? No, well, in Guatemala, it's actually interesting. In a lot of other countries, uh, if you look at the comparison of fuel costs, um, most countries you'll see that, you know, gas is more expensive than wood fuel in a lot of countries. But in Guatemala, it's actually the, the opposite. Uh, LPG is a third of the price. Uh, on average uh, of so households are spending three times as much uh, cooking with wood fuel but because households uh, purchase smaller quantities of fuel so a lot of households will purchase a stick of wood a stick of wood a stick of wood and they're paying you know high amounts but they then that's for them is a barrier so there is a willingness to pay we actually did some willingness to pay studies in our initial uh, in our initial uh, research and it did show there was a higher willingness to pay for the fuel but a lot of people are so confused about the cost difference or cost comparison between the two and so that's one of the things that we actually focus on when we do education in the communities is teaching people and, and how they can do the the calculation of what they're spending and so that's kind of one of the big barriers is is the inability to basically look at cost comparison analysis in households. Gosh. I think that's a very important study and I would love to read sure. if you have reports that you could share with us. Sure. And uh, lastly, uh, is there a particular woman that inspires you, maybe a man or woman that inspires you from the energy world or from any other domain? Yeah, so I don't, I don't know if I have... Uh, so it's not really from the energy sector per se, um, but uh, one of my first uh, and favorite um, women inspirers is uh, Eve Ensler. Um, she's one of the authors of uh, uh, The Vagina Monologues, 
and has created uh, plays and movements uh, empowering women all over the world. I can't remember even how many languages. I think it's maybe like 50 or 60 languages where uh, a lot of these women's empowerment movements are going on all over the world. And so she was definitely one of my early first inspires and and being more engaging as a woman. So. On that note, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, podcast. Thanks. It was nice talking to you. Have a good day.